Level of Latina partners with working women and mamas alike to guide them in achieving fulfilling career and life goals through financial empowerment, professional or leadership coaching, and personal wellness. Find the unique coaching you need to succeed. You're listening to Vero, Ceci, and Irene, and we are Level Up Latina. Welcome to another episode of the Level Up Latina podcast. Today we have author Julissa Arce as our guest. Julissa is Mexican-American writer, speaker, businesswoman, and advocate for immigration rights. She's been named one of People's and Español 25 Most Powerful Women of 2017 and 2022. And about a year ago, we read her book, You Sound Like a White Girl, as part of a, the Guilt-Free Squad group coaching and had a very meaningful discussion. Thank you, Julissa, for being here today. Es un honor tenerte. Y, by the way, felicidades on your new bundle of joy. Gracias por estar aquí. Bienvenida. Thank you so much. Hey. I'm excited. I know Bienvenida. we've... we've uh, Thank you for being patient as I uh, went through the fourth trimester. Um, I was looking forward to this conversation, but can't imagine having had it during those first three months. It was all consuming. So I'm excited to be here now. Me imagino, sí, pero gracias por estar aquí. And we totally, you know, get it. Aquí estamos apoyándote. And well, welcome to motherhood. Um, mm -hmm. Y para empezar, you know, we're, we're fans of your work. Uh, we're very familiar with your journey and everything you have overcome as an immigrant. So thank you for being a voice for a community, más que nada. And one of our first questions that we had is like, at what age did you discover or decide like, yo quiero ser esa voz para la comunidad? Like when, what was it that prompted it? Well, I mean, I was, uh, you know, I think for a long time, I was trying to hide. I was trying to kind of just blend in. I was not trying to stand out or sort of um, tell anybody about my story. It was something that I kept secret for a long time, even from my closest friends. But it wasn't until I was, an, I mean, I was an adult. I was in my 30s when um, I decided that I wanted to share my story and that I wanted to write a book about it and and that I was sort of tired of um hiding that I that I thought I should share my story. There's a, a man by the name of Jose Antonio Vargas, who people might be familiar with. He's, um, he was sort of one of the very, I would say, you know, first sort of undocumented people who came out and say, I'm undocumented. He was a reporter at the Washington Post. And um, he, there was a documentary that I saw about his journey, about him being undocumented, using fake papers having this very high profile, very successful career as a reporter. And I remember watching this film and thinking to myself, this has been my life. Like, this is my life. And I was so inspired by his film. Um, he's Filipino. He's a gay man. So, like, there were definitely things that we didn't have in common. But there was other things that I was like, this is my life. This is my story. And I thought, if his story can have an impact, that deep of an impact in my life, what can my story have? Um, what kind of impact can it have on other people? And I think that's the thing about sharing difficult stories, which is that you never know who you're going to impact. And every single one of us has a story that can resonate with someone else, that can inspire someone else, just like his story impacted me. And, and you know, from what I hear, um, my story has also had an impact on other people. Yeah, definitely. That's the importance of storytelling, like to share our stories, to be transparent, I think. And you connect with other folks. And it, like in your case, um, you know, this story had resonated with 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 you, just like your story has resonated with us as first 
generation Mexican Americans. And, you know, I, I want to say, or I want to share that with your book, I, I did the audio. So, you know, eras mm -hmm. mi acompañante driving <laughs> to work every day. So, you know, I laughed, I cried. Um, but one of the stories that really resonated was the story where you share that you tried skiing for the first time. Mm. I'm, and it was your way to connect with your colleagues at Wall Street, you know, y que aún así, you know, like, like no conectaste. And um, I remember I've only gone skiing once myself and it was in college con estas mujeres aquí. And it just was, you know, it wasn't one of the things that we did. So I was just wondering, was that one of like the first aha moments for you that it was like, Por más que intento, like, no, no voy a conectar. So I'm going to be myself. Voy a ser auténtica. And I'm going to start accepting myself and rejecting that assimilation. Was that one of your the moments you would say? Mm. It, it definitely was one of the moments that stood out, you know, that I remember so much that I that I wrote about it. And I actually have an essay um, in, in a book called Somewhere We Are Human. It's a collection of essays uh, from undocumented and formula undocumented writers. And there's a, a, an essay where I tell much more of the story of, of that skiing story. Um, because there was this, this, this um, friend that I had from Goldman um, who he sort of like showed me so much of this uh, upper American echelon of like uh, culture and, and like, because he grew up in that world, but he was not of the world, I guess I could say, you know, like he was just like really down to earth. And so he's the one that took me skiing. He took me to horse races. He took me to all of these things that I did not grow up and I felt very safe going with him um, and feeling like I was not going to be judged. You know, like I could I could be in my 20s doing like little pizzas down the bunny slope and taking classes with like seven year old kids. <laughs> um, and uh, but it was definitely one of those things where I felt very out of place. You know, first of all, skiing clothes is expensive. And so I borrowed a friend's clothes that was super tight on me. I felt like a sausage in this blue outfit. And um, then I get, you know, I get back to work and I sort of share with my colleague that I had gone skiing and she kind of scuffs at the fact that I had gone to upstate New York instead of, um, you know, Vail or Aspen or, uh, Canada or Europe or somewhere where like real skiing happens. And I was just like, man, what do I have to do? You know, what do I have to do to fit into this world that I did not grow up being a part of? Um, and so it definitely was one of those moments where I was like, hmm, maybe there isn't anything I can do to be a part of, the, of, of that world. And maybe I should stop trying. You know, maybe I should instead like create spaces i mean it would take me still 10 years after that right to like move away from that world to kind of write these books to be in this new journey that i'm on um but it certainly was one of those first moments when i thought maybe there isn't anything i can do and maybe i shouldn't try um i did the same thing corporate america i was working at a big corporate company and my first year, they're like, you know, we always take everyone out to get together and we do this national, like everyone across the South Bay, you know, in Southern California, we all grow to mammoth and we ski or snowboard. Here comes Vero, fresh out of college. I grew up in Watts, right? I might not be brown, but also the, the light skin Latina. I was like, you know, like, I, I mean, I'm, I'm like, gay, you know, they brought me from a rancho, it felt like, right? I'm, so I felt so out of place. And who do I drive up to mammoth with? Two of my black coworkers and my other, like my other friend that's Salvadoreña, right? We drive up to Mammoth and they put us on Snowboards Girl. I ate 
it so bad that I was like, what am I doing this for? I know it's mm -hmm. fun. I was like, I remember riding a skateboard when I was younger, right? Here's another thing. Skateboards, you know, came up at the un rancho in Mexico because hay piedras por todos lados, right? But, and the, you know, the, the, the <laughs> los sidewalks are incomplete. It's always a big ledge or algo que está saltando. But I really felt out of place. But it, I also felt like that is not something I need to conquer. Maybe it's something I'm like, hey, I'm exposed. I, it's cool. If you like to snowboard, great. I kept trying later. It's just something that was not for me. But there's things that you're gonna kind of have to let go of, right? You're like, well, that is probably just not who I am. And who I am is more of like, I'll go to the to the slopes and hang out maybe at the bar and play some Uno with people at the fireplace and have some, you know, some vino caliente, you know, to like warm up. But you realize that it's really nearly impossible to like immediately just fall into line with what they've experienced their whole life. So. Yeah, and the, you know, and the thing is that I also think that there's spaces that we have been made to feel like they're not our spaces, right? So, for example, like I, another example I talk about in the book is sort of wine tasting, right? And going to to wine taste, and a lot of times you think, oh, wine tasting, like that's such a a white person thing to do, right? And then you realize, wait a minute, who picks the wine, right? Who harvests these grapes? Who makes this wine? And it's us, and it's ours. And we do belong in those spaces. And so for me, it's not so much about, you know, by the way, like I love skiing and I um, continued to ski for many years after. I actually had a big skiing accident where I, I had um, the the trifecta of, of uh, tearing my ACL, my MCL and my meniscus at the same time. Even after that, I went back to ski because I actually really fell in love with it. But, but the difference was I was no longer doing it to fit in. I was doing it because I genuinely loved it. it. I had this, I get this huge rush going down the mountain that you get nowhere else. And it's beautiful, right? You get to experience this beautiful um, mountains. You get to experience a different altitude where your heart literally beats differently. And it's beautiful. And so to me, the difference is I'm no longer doing these things because I want to fit in because I'm trying to get somebody else's acceptance but I'm doing these things because I like them. And we do belong in those spaces. We belong in whatever spaces. We, 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 we belong in every single space that we want to be in. We're gonna use that as our tip of the day because it's too powerful not to. We cannot skip over that. Like that's gonna be the tip of the day. Take up space, find what you love. What you love may not be what you grew up around. And that doesn't matter. This world is still for you and it's still for the taking because everything you just said deeply resonated. Like I felt so much pride. I ran to my bookcase to grab the book before the show. And I told my husband, how cool that I get to go grab this author's book to have her on the show. But what's beautiful is that we've only ever had Latina authors on the show. That's mm -hmm. our space. But did I grow up with Latina authors around me? No. When I first discovered some of the Cisneros, it was like another planet, right? I get the chills when I think about her, but that there's so many more Latina authors in the space. Thank you. That's number one. Number two, my whole life I've been a traveler, like a huge, huge traveler, uh, Julissa. And my mom sort of judged me for wanting to be that person and didn't mm -hmm. understand it and thought I was a waste of money. And I wanted to do that. I wanted to be in those spaces, even if I felt very different, very out of body. These girls have been traveling with me too. Like, there we are. Who do we think we were, right? Really young, sassy, like in Brazil, but figuring out a path, figuring out a way, or maybe it was Europe and we're in Rome, figuring out a path, figuring out a way and feeling uncomfortable, but still showing up anyway to take up that space. So now at the American Express Lounge, I belong there. 
I belong there waiting for my flight, right? But before that was for somebody else, right? In first class, I belong there. But before it was for somebody else. Sure, the first time we ever got on first class, it was a bunch of us fighting for getting this upgrade that we didn't have no business getting. But whatever the first time is, you belong there. So the tip of the day is put yourself out there. Find your love. It may not be something that you were ever around. For you, it was skiing. For me, it's these Latina authors that I just want to hang on to. So thank you. That's the tip of the day. Many times we're quick to judge, like, mira ese güero que le encantan los frijoles, or we're quick to judge something, but it's it's very natural. We get exposed to new things that we don't know, and we have to allow ourselves to either make it something that we want to love or make it something like, hey, that was a great experience. I'm learning from it, but it's not for me. But for you, it was something like, ah, that was some good exposure. Let me see if I can do this on my own. Is it something that I really want to try out? So nunca darnos por vencidos. And I think that's very much in our blood to not just give up and quit. So we're going to move along on, on, on some of this more in your book. And, and it could be, obviously, this is more of life experience for you as well. But you talk about um, the, uh, in one of the chapters, The Lie of Success, that has a lot, um, it has a lot of great nuggets. But we love the part where you mentioned that you became a homeowner in the U.S. Thanks to your parents' mm-hmm. sacrificio, to their sacrifice. You also mentioned you believe in the American dream, but it has come at a high cost. We had a whole podcast conversation about this. I'm like, is the American dream still alive? Do you Mm -hmm. think the American dream is still alive and is it worth the sacrifice? Well, I think it's about how you define the American dream because I think that for for a long time um, and for many people, the American dream is about financial success and upward economic mobility, right? Like that is sort of like that you can come to this country, uh, specifically for immigrants, that you can come to this country with very little in your pocket and you can you can make something of yourself and you can um you know you can um have things that you never could have back home and for many immigrants that is sort of the the driver beca- behind coming to this country um you know when you look at it sort of like the reality of it is that that dream is slipping away right like homeownership is slipping away, especially for like young people, right? For younger people, it's so much harder to own a home now. Like, you know, back in the 60s and 70s, you could have a minimum wage job and be able to buy a house. That is absolutely impossible to do now. I mean, you, 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 in many places in this country, you have to be wealthy in order to be able to buy a home, right? Now you put on top of that, the crisis that is student debt, right? You put on top of that, um, the economic recessions that uh, that that we have been through in our lifetime, and so that dream is is slipping away from a lot of people. And um, and I think that you know when you sort of set yourself out to completely define yourself by the amount of money that is in your bank account, I think that that is um, a very slippery slope to um, not feeling great about yourself all the time. Right, because if the only way that you're that you are measuring your worth, and the only way that you're measuring the American dream is through financial success, then I think that that dream is more of an illusion, right? Um, because of all of the economic issues that we have in this country, all of the economic inequality that we have in this country. So for me now, the American dream is much more this, you know, like being able to question the systems that we grew up in, being able to say like, hey, yes, like this is still a country where, where there's a lot of opportunity, but let's not be mistaken that anybody can just, uh, you know, become a millionaire because that's not true. And there's so many barriers for that to happen. And I'm not suggesting that people shouldn't try, you know, to go after the dreams. Of course, like I'm going after my dreams every day. Um, but that we should just kind of have our eyes wide open to 
what is the reality of that? And to your point, like how much does it cost? What are you willing to give up for it? Because you will absolutely have to give something up. That is for sure. But thank you for clarifying on that. Many times we do measure it to just monetary success and there's so much more to life to it. And it's something that you said earlier too when we're talking about the mountains and being out in in mother nature that just reminds us that there's so much more to life than just what we have materialistically and what our money is able to provide us it provides experiences right but it's not ultimately everything and we can measure success and we define our own how we see success as well i think everyone goes after different dreams we all have different dreams we all have different ambitions and motivations so i'm glad that you mentioned that i love the, the way you broke it down there you know and these are sort of like separate but related concepts which is that like um People always say, you know, oh, you're wrong. People are wrong to think that money makes you happy. Like money doesn't buy happiness. And absolutely money does not buy happiness. But money helps. And it helps mm-hmm. a lot. So, you know, I'm not suggesting that like, I, like, I don't want to, um, you know, I don't want to be struggling for money. I, I know what that feels like. I know my parents went through that. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to, I don't want to go through that. I never want to put my daughter through that. I made a promise to my daughter, which is that she will not have to financially take care of me. You know, I am not putting that on her. Like this is where it stops, you know, and not because like yeah. I, I love taking care of my mom. I, I it's a great privilege to be able to do that. And at the same time, it has sometimes felt like a really big uh, load to carry. And oh, yeah. we can break those generational cycles, right? We can be the person that sort of it ends with us. Like I'm going to have my retirement so my daughter can focus on her future. Um, and, and I don't have to put that burden on her to be responsibly responsible for me. That's beautiful. I love that. Yeah. You're breaking patterns. Like you said, Julissa, because you know, like you said in your book, like it's expected for us in our culture to take care of parents. And yes, we, we do it out of love, but see, see, it's, it's, it's something that feels heavy for us having to have that responsibility. Okay, when, okay, we're breaking these patterns so that the future generation doesn't feel that burden, heaviness, whatever you want to call it. You know what, um, Julissa, I had no idea that you had a degree in finance. Mm-hmm. And and I learned that about you and I was like, that's pretty cool. And here you are writing books about, you know, our stories and, and letting, you know, putting our voice out there. Um, so I'm just curious, like what led you, because for many Latinos and or Mexican Americans and we grow up first generation, like we avoid certain kind of disciplines, like studies, right, of areas of study. And it's not because we just don't know about or want to know about them, but it's because it's not in our scope, right? We're just like, oh, we don't mm-hmm. know anyone that studied finance or we don't know anyone that studied economics or so or doctors or lawyers. What them animo to go out and study finance? I mean, I worked in finance for 10 years, right? Like I worked on Wall Street and um, my I, my finance degree really was, I wanted to be, in, I wanted to be a businesswoman. Like when I grew up, my mom was a businesswoman. She didn't have a businesswoman education, uh, any formal education, I should say. But I wanted to be like my mom, you know, I wanted to be a businesswoman. And um, so when I was deciding what I should major in when I was applying to college, I just like chose business and originally I was a marketing major and then I switched to finance truthfully because I thought I want to be rich like what what job can I have 
and sort of backed into, I should go work on Wall Street. Um, because that's how I was thinking back then, you know, because I was so enamored by sort of going back to this American dream. I was so enamored by America because I had not yet sort of taken the glasses off and seen it for what it really is and how it really treats us. Um, but yeah, I just, you know, that's really why I wanted to study finance. And I, to be, I mean, to be fair, I also really always liked numbers and I always was really good at math. Um, I think especially because when I first came to live here, I didn't know how to speak English. And, um, but numbers were something that I didn't need to know how to speak English to do. And by the way, when I came here for sixth grade, the stuff, the math concepts I was learning in sixth grade in the United States, I had learned in like fourth grade in Mexico. Um, and so I was already sort of ahead of the game because, um, uh, because of, of, of going to school in Mexico. Now that you're a mommy, um, how would you say, and maybe as minimum in the least words you can, or the best way possible, the, the way maybe motherhood has changed you? Hmm. I mean, that's a, such a huge thing. I think we could have a, a whole conversation just on that. Oh yeah. Um, but I definitely think that the follow up to you sound like a white girl, um, is this, is this, you know, this sort of new book that I want to write um, on uh, on motherhood. Um, because so much of You Sound Like a White Girl was about um, creating space, right? Like the first part of the book is about the lies, like the lie of assimilation, the lie of whiteness, the lie of success, the lie of English. And then the second part of the book is about reclaiming, right? Like reclaiming our identity, reclaiming our history, reclaiming our um, place in this in this country and in this world. And um, as I was writing, you know, as I was writing the book, I was thinking about how lucky my children would be. And I mean, I wasn't even pregnant at the time um, when I was writing the book. And I remember just thinking how lucky our children would be that they have us as parents who are going to teach them that they do belong in this world from day one. You know, that they are going to know their history from day one, the history that isn't taught in schools, the history that I try to um, share in You Sound Like a White Girl, history that I wish I had known because it would have allowed me to understand just how deep my roots are in this country, right? And how many people have stood up for my rights and how beautiful and amazing it is that I get to share that with my daughter now. Right, that the books I'm reading to her to her um, have characters that look like us, right? Uh, because I mean, if you think about publishing, how dismal the numbers are of Latina authors, and in children's books, it's it's even worse. Something like something like less than six percent of children's books um, have um, are about or written by Latinos. So you're much more likely to find a truck or a bunny in a children's book than you are to find a little brown Latino person in in a book. Um, but how lucky, you know, that I get to create those spaces for her, that, that I get to uh, show her from day one that not only does she belong in this place, that this is where her roots are and this is where her place is, that she is not from someplace else. She is, and it's not just because she was born here that she is from here, but that it is, but this is, this is a place of her ancestors. And, and I get to share that with her. And I'm just, I'm so excited to see how differently she is going to grow up because she has that knowledge, because she has the power of that knowledge. 
Qué bonito, qué bonito. In fact, I think that's the perfect segue for a question that we had here to ask you about your first piece of work, which was your memoir, My Underground American Dream. You are actually going to be teaming up with America Ferreira to produce a television series on this memoir. We have to hear mm -hmm. from that, Mujeres, not only in print, but also on the actual screen. Show. Tell us about that. You make us very proud, very, very proud. We love everything America Ferreira gets behind, but we also love your work. So tell us about that project. Yeah, I mean, America and I and others have been working on this for six or seven years now. Uh, I mean, I think that I have learned so much about producing um, televisions and films. Um, that was my first project that I that I'm producing, um, and since then, I have three or four other projects that um, are in the works that I'm producing as well. Um, yeah, you know, I, I don't, I, I never realized how much goes into a television show actually making it on screen. You know, I mean, it's, it's so much and there's, there's been, there's been a lot of which I don't know how much I'm allowed to actually talk about. <laughs> um, but there's, but what I can share is that there's been a lot of, um, you know, stop and goes, stop and goes, stop and goes. And that's just the way that the business works. I mean, right now, you know, right now I got to give a shout out to um, WGA writers that are on strike and the um, SAG actors that are on strike um, that are that are fighting for their future, their livelihood, for fairness. Um, and so right now everything's at a standstill, right? Like, like we can't do anything on any of these projects because, um, are, are because writers are on strike and and I think that's the right thing you know writers should be on strike and until studios recognize um, that the way that they're operating is unfair to the writers who create this work which students wouldn't have anything to put out in the world if it wasn't for these writers um, then we're gonna you know we're gonna be on hold and we're gonna stand with with the writers if anyone appreciates the writers, I'm sure it would also be you, being yeah. that's your history, your origin, um, how you've so eloquently communicated your story. So yes, stand by that. It's at a standstill, and that's for all projects. We really hope that this one sees the light of day earlier too. sooner than rather than later, right? <laughs> so we would be really happy to support it, and we want all of our listeners to keep an eye out for that amazing project. So we have a signature question that we ask all of our guests and we can't wait to ask you, but what advice or words of wisdom would you give your 25 year old self? Leave them. Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> we can leave it at that. She's like, mm, no hesitation. <laughs> oh yes. my God. When I think about, am I allowed to curse on this podcast? We, yeah, we've been waiting for you so that we can let it out yes. like a fart. Like yes, please. Ourselves, when when I think guess, about please. the dumb shit I put up with when I was 25, my God. I mean, I, I actually talk, I actually share a lot about this um, in my first book, My Underground American Dream. You know, I think back about being in this relationship with someone who cheated on me and then threatened to call INS if I called the, the girl. And, you know, that was like, that was the 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 what is it called something that broke the camel's back the what's the expression the last straw the last straw. the needle yeah, the, the, the needle. last straw it was the last straw because the, oh, the last I, I, I should not even have ever been the in that situation yeah. yeah the last straw I mean I should have I should have just left them like so the much earlier you know um yeah I mean that's that that's what I would tell myself just like leave him because 
then you realize that, you know, you, I also put so much of my worth in what this boys thought of me, right? If they loved me, if they wanted to be with me, if, if this, if that. And then now I look back on it, I'm like, oh my God, like I'm so embarrassed for myself. I feel so bad for myself. And I think if I had just listened to my mother, <laughs> you know, I, I would have saved myself so much heartbreak. Um, and I remember my mom always telling me like, mija, like, Diosito, he's like designing this perfect man for you. And I would be like, pero cuando, like when, like, I'm so tired of this. And, and, you know, she was right. Like when I met my husband, I thought, man, like this is how it's supposed to be. This was how it's supposed to be all along. And, you know, um, sometimes you have to go through it, but if anybody's out there in a relationship where you're not being treated the way that you know you deserve to be treated, leave him. Ah, oh, qué bonito. So relatable, so honest, so real. Sí, Your mama and her totally. partners, totally right. Say, so, yeah, we've all been there, done that in our 20s también. It's just like, no prende uno y es terca, but it's like, you know, then you look back like, ah, okay, I had to go through that to find this, my perfect match, you know? So qué bonito. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. <laughs> yeah, that's so relatable. And we are going to move on to closing out the show. But because you talked about leaving him and coming into your own and eventually listening to your mama's advice, like, how do you take care of yourself now? And after that, like in the aftermath, like you've got a lot going on, you're a mama now. So physically, mentally, emotionally, like what's your, your secret there? Because we don't want people to think that those that they see aspiring to be just like have it all together, which I know is an illusion too. But how are you taking care of yourself in those ways? Mm. I mean, to be totally honest right now, I'm very much in just survival mode. You know, I'm like, if I took a shower today, that's a win. I mean, that's the, that's the stage of my life that I'm in right now with being a new mom, um, you know, having a baby that is incredible. She's amazing. And also, you know, she only takes naps on me. Like she doesn't take naps in her crib. And so it's a lot, you know, it's a lot to, she wakes up, I feed her, I play with her, I show her things, I read to her, then it's time to put her down for a nap and then it's time to hold her for an hour and a half while she takes a nap. And I can't, I mean, you know, I can't really wear her anymore and do things because she's old enough now where the noises disturb her, right? And I'm moving around too much. It disturbs. So I, I, I literally, I'm like sitting in this rocker chair in a dark room holding my daughter for an hour and a half while she naps. And the only way I've been able to get through it now is by binging uh, Suits on Netflix. You know, like I was like, okay, you know what? If I'm gonna have to sit here, I am gonna... I'm going to make this a time for me also. So I'm going to put on my phone, put on my AirPods and watch the show and look forward to this hour and a half where I get to like, you know, binge television as I hold my daughter. Um, but it's been really hard. It's been incredibly difficult and the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. So right now, I, I don't know how I'm taking care of myself. You know, I'm, I'm just surviving. I'm just thinking, okay, you know, and again, going back to sort of having an amazing partner, like my husband, you know, is doing the dishes and he's cooking dinner and he's bringing me a um, uh, egg and chorizo burrito into the dark room so I can eat while I'm like holding my daughter, you know. So um, I, I don't know. I, I want to get back to a place where I am taking better care of myself, um, but I'm doing the best that I can right now. You know, I am drinking enough water, which is key. I am, um, 
you know, luckily uh, my daughter at four and a half months old is sleeping through the night now. So I, I get that. Um, and I, you know, and I try to shower when I can. <laughs> how authentic, how real. Love it. It me back to that time. Vero has had little ones, Ay. as she mentioned, like the whole time that we've been in existence. We've always had a little baby via Vero. Yeah. Ceci had twins. So uh, everything you're feeling, she sort of managed two with her husband and two. And she said it was a blur. Like they never slept. They passed one baby to the next to the yeah. next. Like, And then I remember having my three kids many moons ago because my youngest is almost 12. And the same exact feeling that you're having, that like it was just survival mode and and everybody else but me and feeling like okay this is crazy motherhood is crazy and also having a little bit of once the third came around being very cognizant of a, and aware that he was probably my last baby so I took those dark naps as a place to like really soak mm -hmm. it all in even though it sucks because I probably stank and hadn't showered and all that but it's everything that people say it is right motherhood and it's harder than you realize until you go through it so we're sending you our love and our good thoughts and you know you can also binge our podcast if you're looking for something else yes. to do we can't guarantee that you won't crack up and try to keep the baby asleep <laughs> uh, it has been a blessing to have you we are so sincere and genuine in our hearts to say that when we read this book with our book club at the guilt free squad like you were just a fan favorite and so many people connected so many amazing women cried with us because of this book laughed with us and shared really really amazing stuff and so they are going to lose it, their collective minds, mm -hmm. when they realize that you're here with us talking about this. And then your other great work, we're going to look out for it and everything that's to come from you. But tell our fans, our listeners, how to find you, social media, other projects. What do they need to know as they want to frantically search you up after they listen to this? Well, I'm, I'm pretty active on Instagram. Um, it's a place where I'm really, it's actually the only place I'm really active on Instagram. Um, and it's just at Julissa Arce. Uh, people can find me there. I am a panelist on a on another podcast called Hysteria. Um, so if people want to listen to you know listen to other things, um, Hysteria is also a great podcast. And for those that have read the book already, I would really appreciate a review on Amazon or Goodreads if you haven't already um, left a, a review on Amazon. It really really helps, and it helps other people to find the book as well. So. Thank you so much for having me. This was, this was uh, really nice, and and it it made me feel, uh, it made me feel great. You know, it made me feel. I don't want to say normal because there there is no. It's like a new normal. You know, being a mom is a new normal. Um, but it it it. You know, I mean, I have spit up on my shirt, but besides that, you know, I feel great. Girl. <laughs> We're so happy that you took this time. I mean, you're on. <laughs> practically a leave and you made the time for yeah, us like it like, means it means so much to yeah. us like this is incredible and and we're gonna go figure out some spit up from Vettel's house to put it on us and just be there in solidarity <laughs> and just be with you thank you so much chicas thank any you. last comments i know lots gracias, of love probably gracias. And, and gratitude no gracias thank you for making the time thank so, you to our thanks. listeners for being love here you. Thank you so much for being here, Julissa. We really appreciate having you on the show. For our listeners, you know where to find us. If you want to send us a message or continue the conversation, please do so at, at Level Up Latina on Facebook and Instagram. We want to remind you that you can still get tickets for the Breakthrough Brunch on October 7th. Those are flying off the shelves. You don't want to miss it. It is limited capacity to keep the intimate feel. So get your ticket today. If you want to 
inquire about a group discount, hell, let us know, pack your car, we'll figure it out. Uh, it's going to be during Latino Heritage Month. So we're really proud of this event because I think you're going to take away a lot of value and cultural appreciation and success stories that are really going to make you want to shout from the rooftops and share it on your social media. Basically, it's an Instagramable venue and that's how we like it. The last thing I want to share is we have new affiliates on the website. So if you're renting a car, consider Fox or Dollar Rent-A-Car and uh, get a little discount or just get some information at levelablatina.com. Scroll all the way to the bottom of our homepage. As always, all of our affiliates are there. Macy's is up there. Boppy's up there. All the old trustees that have always supported our work. But I know that summer is still kind of full swing for some people. So if you're running a car, check out those affiliates. That is it for today's show. Please give her a review. Please give her love. Do not forget to give her love because what she does La is Julisa. La Julisa. Las queremos. Chao. Chao. Besitos. Besos.